0: because I'd like you to welcome Alan to the stage, please. He's going to bless us with an amazing word. Thank you.
1: Wonderful. Thank you, Ewan. Thank you, everybody. Good morning. Thanks, George and the band for the worship. I'm on fire. Definitely. Amen. So, today is Advent Sunday, officially. I didn't know there was an officially, but apparently there is. It's Advent Sunday. And it is calculated by the nearest Sunday to St. Andrew's Day. Didn't know that, yeah. Which is Wednesday, so it's right in the middle, just on the edge. Four Sundays to Christmas, I'm afraid, guys. So, it's here. It's coming. It's arrived. And we are going to get you in the mood for Christmas today, I promise. This is Advent Sunday, the start also of the Christian year. Didn't know that either. Apart from this pagan one on the first of January, this is the real start of the year. The beginning of the... Advent season. And Advent um, talks about approaching or coming. And Advent season for Christians should be the time that we look forward to Christ's coming. How many times can we think about Christ's coming? Ian Thompson. Anybody else want to? He can't, I'm going to tell you. I'll let you have the hook, Ian. It's okay actually three. We remember Christ coming in the flesh on Christmas, that first Noel, if you like, that first Christmas time. Christ came in the flesh, our Messiah, our Lord. And the second time, of course, is His coming back at the end of all time to bring together heaven and earth. And we look forward at this Christmas season, not just to His birth, but to His return. But also every day we can remember That Christ comes in our hearts by faith every single day. So we're in that wonderful season of new life and new birth between Christ's first coming in the flesh and his return. And every day we can welcome Christ in our hearts by faith. It's a great opportunity, Christmas, to remember those three things and rejoice. And it is a season of rejoicing and celebration. And if we're going to start with a song, David, if you're ready to to play that, just to encourage you, it is a time to celebrate his birth, his coming daily into our hearts by faith, the coming at the end of the time. He's approaching, he's near, he's ready. And I know sometimes it's hard to see Christmas in all the the materialism that happens today, but as Christians, it's... I think our responsibility to to use this season to find Jesus, not to find little bits of him in how we celebrate in the world, but to really use this Advent season to find Christ again, to remember what he's been doing in our lives this year and to celebrate. And just to get you in the mood, my title today is Advent, the King, get ready for the King. And we do need to be ready, and you need to be ready for Christmas in more ways than one. Take yourselves to the hills right now. Are we going? Are we good, guys? Take yourself to the hills, the shepherds and the angels. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth and goodwill to all men. This is an amazing season. Here's a song, with an angelic voice singing about Noel, Noel, just Christmas, the, related to the birth, Natal. Anytime, guys, <laughs> I'm trying to keep it going. <laughs> Here we go. Enjoy this. Listen to the words if you can. Turn it up as high as you are. we're allowed. All the lights at the front.
0: Love Star and angels gave the sign. Bow to babe on bended
1: knee. The Saviour of humanity. Unto us a child is born. He shall reign. Forever so much it's imagine the angels speaking out to the shepherds come and see what god has done and we have the same message that we take to the world today come and see what god has done in our lives in our midst ever since his birth and his death and his resurrection see what jesus has done and we're celebrating that and christmas really is the most spiritual time of the year. And I've got five principles this morning that I, I want to suggest. Help us get ready for the King. To get ready for Christmas, but to get ready for the return of the King. Five principles, five gold rings. Five gold rings, why not? Let's see what we can do to get ready and to really make Advent count this year. It's going to be the best Christmas ever. It can be the best Christmas ever for you. Yeah. Amen. Get ready for the King. Let's see the first slide. Yep, there we go. Okay. That's my title today. Get ready for the King Advent. I want to tell the story a little bit of Nehemiah to explain these principles. Nehemiah, it's in the Old Testament. It's the last book of the history um, of the Jewish nation. And in chapter 8, we pick up the story. The background is, this is a really low ebb in the nation of Israel's history. The, their enemies have overwhelmed them, and they've been exiled to Babylon. Jerusalem, the city of David has been destroyed and ransacked. The walls tumbling down. The great temple that Solomon built has destroyed. All the relics stolen. A really low period in Israel's history, about 450, 500 BC. And the message already is one for us, that it talks to us of the church today that it can feel like it's at a a low ebb sometimes across the world. The world can feel like a low ebb in these days. Everything is going wrong. We can see even in Syria and Iraq and places like that a very similar picture to what Israel looked like physically. Destroyed, run over, the nation exiled, refugees everywhere. A very similar situation. And even we can see parallels for every Christian's life that there are times when it just feels like we're at a low ebb. That everything has been brought down, torn down, destroyed. But the message of Christmas, the message of Christianity, the message of Christ... God's word to us today and to you, even in this moment, is there is always hope. God never abandons us completely. Wherever your situation, wherever you're facing this year, good or bad, God always has a hope for you. The message of Christmas. There is always hope. And so for Israel, there was indeed hope that um, this Three occasions, people started coming back to Jerusalem. The temple had been built, rebuilt, but news came to Nehemiah that the walls were still tumbled down. A disgrace, and he set up, you can read about it throughout the book of Nehemiah, and he restored the walls of the temple. A great project and a um, great example of project management, focus and goals, and uh, really worth looking at for a success Uh, even today in the things that we do. They built the walls in 52 days against all the odds, the wonderful wall around Jerusalem. And the question is, what do they do next? They gathered all the people, and they found a copy of the law, probably something known as the Pentateuch. That's what they had then. Their Bible was the first five books of the Old Testament that we see now, Genesis, Exodus, Deuteronomy, Leviticus, Numbers, something like that, I think. And they read this, and they gathered all the people, all the children, all the adults. They all came together in their newly built wall. And we pick up the story in chapter 8, and we see it here, verses 5 and 6, but I'll read from verse 1. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord commanded for Israel. So on that first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon. So never complain, this is a long service. An hour and a half, piece of cake. As he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively attentively to the book of the law. And here we see actually the pattern for church that we replicate today, even two and a half thousand years later. There's five principles coming up. And Ezra, described stood on a high wooden platform. Would you believe it? Built for the occasion. Beside him, on his right, stood Matthew. Oh man, I'm not doing them names. Lots of guys. <laughs> Verse 5. Ezra opened the book. Didn't look much like this. An old scroll, who knows what it looked like. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Three of my five principles, my five gold rings we see before us. Open the book. And as we prepare for Christmas this year, as we've done throughout the year, these principles, not just for Christmas, for all time, I believe. Open the book. Open the book. We've got to open the book. And I hope you agree we've been opening the book together this year, reading the scriptures that we have, not just the five books that Ezra had, but the whole of this wonderful Bible. Open the book and we read about God, we read about ourselves, we read about salvation, we read about the promises of God, we take them on board, and we open the book and we find life and hope, and we find confidence and assurance, and it's wonderful. So the first principle to get ready for Christmas, even this Advent, open the book, read the story of the coming of Christ in the flesh, read the story and revelation of His return, and be encouraged and lifted up and know that there is hope for your life. Know that there is truth and love in the world. Open the book. But open the book. The Word made flesh, John 1. It's not just reading the Bible. It's opening up the revelation that Christ is the Word made flesh. And as we read the Bible, it's not just about a study book. It's about receiving it into our heart, understanding who Jesus really is in our lives today, that everything we read about in Scripture points to Jesus and Him in our lives, the revelation, the life that we have. Jesus is the Word made flesh. So when we read the Bible, we need to understand who Jesus is, that His name is wonderful, His name is powerful, His name is above all other names. Wonderful. But that's not all the book that we are, it's promised the new covenant, Jeremiah 31, verse 33, that the new covenant that we're in today between Christ's coming and His return is that He's writing His law in our hearts, His promises in our mind. The Holy Spirit writes and circumcises in our heart. Our very hearts are made new. We, have a, we receive a heart of flesh, removed our heart of stone, and we become a book, and God is writing on us and through us. And we, ourselves, are a book to the nations that our lives speak to the people around us. So open the book, and the challenge and the opportunity is to open our hearts to what God is doing, to what He's saying. And even in this season, even in this day, allow God to change your heart and inspire you, transform you, Become like Christ is the promise and the hope, and that is the covenant. And there's one other book that we read about, the book of life, that it's not just ourselves that have a, a book, but God has a book himself. The Lamb, the book of life, that in written in it is your name and my name and all those who will be saved. And we have the opportunity to know that our names are written in the book of life. Revelation 20 11 to 15 describes it, and if you read it, you will go down on your knees in fear and trembling that your name will be written in the book of life. And that is our hope and our promise, that when Christ returns, our name is there. And it's not just our name. I believe that Christ is a whole narrative of every moment, every day, every thought, every deed of all our lives. The message of Christmas is that Christ cares, about every detail of your lives. He loves you so much that He came down, not just on earth, but through His Spirit. When we cry out to Him, He enters our hearts by faith. And we remember that this season. And the message of Christmas is it's not too late. Today is the day of salvation. We have time before Christ comes back to get our names into the book of life, to have the assurance of heaven and the, and the hope of redemption and forgiveness. And Christmas reminds us of this great, great promise, this great, great hope. So three things already. Open the book. That's the first thing, sorry. Open the book. Open the book. Open the book. Open the book. Open the book of your life. Open the book of the, the Word of God. Open Jesus. And be made ready. The second principle, Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hand and responded. And I don't know about you, but I've certainly um, enjoyed understanding more, I think, about praise and worship and the difference, the distinction, and, and that praising God is very much about lifting God up, but declaring how good He is and what He's done. And that I've enjoyed Ephesians 5, 18, 19, which says, Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the, from the Spirit. A great verse this year that I've been so encouraged by, that as we're leading in worship, as we said, it's powerful that as we learn to be people who praise God regularly on a daily basis, it's a powerful declaration of His truth and His promises. It reminds us of what He's done in our lives. And old psalms or new songs... They're reflecting what God has done in people's lives, and they're a great, powerful message and inspiration to us that we can enjoy, and in Psalm 100, it says, we enter His courts with thanksgiving, His um, gates with praise, or the other way around. through praise and worship, we enter into his, pro- his presence and we come in before God himself. And we have that opportunity through Christ to know God and be with him and come close to him wherever we are, whatever we're doing, in a car, in our beds, in a moment we can come in through praise and worship. And it's wonderful. And we want to be a people of praise, a people of thanksgiving. And we remember that this Christmas and what he's been saying. The third principle we see that they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground and their heart of worship is surrender. That when we've entered through praise, suddenly we realize how small we are and how much we fall short of the glory of God. We recognize and become naked and self-conscious and what we've done wrong and where we fall short. And all we can do is bow down. All we can do is lift up God and say, have mercy on me like we're singing, a wretch like me. And worship isn't just a moment in a song. It's, It's a decision that you make every day to say, not my will be done, O God, But yours. Jesus, the great worshipper, the perfect worshipper, who said in the Garden of Gethsemane before the cross, Your will be done, O God, not mine. And every time, every moment we say that, when we're faced with a choice during the week, during the day, during our lives, to say, Your will be done, O God, not mine. And we can rejoice in that moment when we sing and, and come before God on our knees and say, Thank you, Lord that You've had mercy on us. And I say again and declare again, Your will be done, O God. And we deal with our pride. We deal with our self-centeredness, with with our um, desire to, to make it on our own. We have to lay that down every day. We have to lay down our lives. And every moment we lay something down of ourselves, our money, our relationships, our priorities, our time. We're worshiping the Lord and giving Him our lives. And that is the wonderful promise that John uh, 4 says that when Jesus spoke to the woman at the well, a time is coming, and has now come when we, worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And those are the types of worshipers that the Father is seeking. And we want to be a people not just of praise, but of worship. that The very depths of our soul and being are laid bare before Christ and our wills are submitted entirely to his will. Your kingdom come, your will be done, O God, as it is in heaven. That's the lives that we want to have. And if you're anything like the Israelites, their response was, if we see the next slide, to weep and to cry. In verse 5 to 6, it goes on. Let me find it. pick it up, verse 9. Then Nehemiah, the governor, Israel, the priest, and the scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. And if that is the response that we sometimes have before we come to church, before we come and pray, before we come and read our Bibles, we just feel, oh, it's just so unworthy to come and when we read about what we should be like and what we should be doing and to be worshipers and banging on about being people who praise from the front, and you think, flip, give me a break. So it is. We just feel, oh Lord, I can't do it. So it was with the Israelites. But the word of the Lord, from Ezra the priest to Nehemiah, from Christ himself, from God today, from the message of Christmas, is this. This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people have been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. Verse 10, I say, go and enjoy choice food, sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And if you remember nothing else this Christmas season, remember that the joy of the Lord is your strength, that we rely on the grace of God and the mercy of God to allow Him to come into His presence, to allow Him to come back one day and find us ready, prepared, waiting for the King with anticipation, knowing that when we see him face to face, he will welcome us with open arms, not for what we've done, but for what Christ has done for us. And so this is a season of rejoicing. This is a season of celebration. And we should rejoice. And it's brilliant that already, in those days, that they're linking celebration with giving, that those who don't have, find them and give. And it's wonderful to hear about giving to women's aid and other areas. and This is a great season to look for opportunity to give to people, to encourage people. Let's make the most of Advent and do that. So three principles so far, three gold rings to get ready for the coming king. This season and every season, open the book, praise the Lord, bow down and worship. Let's see what we've got next. Fourth principle. Rejoice. Rejoice. (laughs) Please just stand a moment. Can you? Stand with me. Stand with me. And just lift our hands up. Stretch off. And if you can, just declare hallelujah. 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 We will rejoice this season. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And we will respond to what God has done with celebration rejoicing. Oh, Father, thank you, Lord, that you have moved upon our lives. You have saved us. You've redeemed us. You've rescued us. You've written our names in the book of life. And you're coming back. And Lord Jesus, we are ready for you. Just come, O oh Lord. Come, O oh God. Come, O oh God. Come, O oh God. And we want to celebrate with you this year. Praise the Lord. Come on, let's applaud the Lord our God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And we declare these things. Please take your seats again. We declare these things by faith and the knowledge that, oh, my goodness, without God's mercy and His love. But what a season that we have before us to enjoy this and believe this and be reminded of what God has done. So we we rejoice in our response. We do not wear long faces. We do not mourn about the Christmas season and the songs and the shop that drive you crazy. We are not ha, ha, humbug for us. Not for us. We are the ones who rejoice above all other peoples of all the world because we have Christ in our hearts already. We have every reason to rejoice even though the world around us seems low. The walls are defeated. The temple has come down. God always has a hope for our lives. wherever season we're in there is a hope for you and for us. Jesus is alive and He is giving us a chance. And so, the wonderful thing that these Israelites did was that they responded to what was written in the law. And if you read Um, on in Nehemiah 9, and there's a great example of what it means to praise in uh, verse 6. Ezra, the next day, they have their celebrations, they come back, they read again, they confess again for the whole day, they have an amazing encounter weekend, just like we do today. It's remarkable. But here's how to praise Blessed be your glorious name, and may it be exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You made the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all the starry horth, the earth and all that is on, on it, the seas, and all that is in them. You give life to everything, and the multitudes of heaven worship you. And Ezra goes on and on, praising God and lifting Him up. And then they talk through the history of what God has done in their nation, and they realize how far they've fallen short and explain some of the things that they should do. They have festivals and um, things that they need to return to that they haven't done. And at the end of all this, they declare in chapter uh, 10, we will not neglect the house of our God. In verse 9, verse 38, here's how they respond. In view of all this, of who God is and what He's done, how far we've fallen short of what the Word says to us, we will sort ourselves out. And they start to reestablish the festival of shelters and other uh, areas. They, They commit to bringing in to God's temple blessings month on month. They do many other things. But they say, in view of all this, we're making a binding agreement, putting it in writing, And our leaders, our Levites, and our priests are fixing their seal to it. It's a great principle here that we should write down what we commit to God to do. It's a great antidote to New Year resolutions to write down what we're believing for God to do in our lives this year. Name the year, name the day, name the hour, name the moment. What is God doing in our lives? Write some things down, commit to them. And so we've got to make the most of this Advent. with help from Sally we've come up with a way of writing things down every day that an antidote to the advent calendar we're going to ask you to make your own advent calendar, and maybe I'll get Sally up just to help explain it. do you want to do this um, so from preacher to teacher, Sally is a teacher and she's very good at explaining how to do things, so uh, I'm not um, but yeah, okay
0: okay. Um. We thought we'd like to offer you the chance to do what we're going to do this Advent. We have a, it's a a calendar month here, um, but what we would like to encourage you to do is start on the 1st of December, which is Thursday. So in a minute, I'd like you to take one of these each, take one for your children if you wish, take one for somebody that you don't know, or not, not that you don't know, somebody that's not here that you do know, sorry. So you're going to get a calendar, and every day, Let's commit to doing something which will make Advent count. I made up some things and then Alan added to them. You might be able to guess which are mine and which are Alan's. Um, we were totally on a different page, but then we're a man and a woman, so I understand that. Because he read mine, he went, You're really? Anyway, I, ha- I wrote things like, um, put a large note on your bin saying thank you to the bin men. And, and I wrote things like, send a Christmas card to your doctor, Alison, or your dentist, thanking them for all they do. I wrote things like, probably this is me, don't interrupt when someone's explaining themselves. I actually have to commit myself to doing that, because well, when somebody's speaking, in my head is what I'm going to say. It's dreadful. It's a, it's a thing a woman, woman has. I have to stop myself. Anyway, um, I put some shopping trolleys back in their place. Some, not just yours, a few, because it was poor shopping, mine. Anyway, Alan wrote things like "Watch Elf." <laughs> I mean, <laughs> come on. Anyway, um, he wrote things like, um, "Where are your ones, Alan?"
1: Oh, read a Christmas. I think he
0: wrote them all out. <laughs> no, no, no. Read a Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he loves that. Anyway, the, the fact is. Everyone would like you to take one. And children would love this as well. Every day, write something. Don't just think, oh, I'll write it at the end of the day and see if I've done something. I would ask you to think about what am I going to do today. You can either use, I know you can't read it up there, our list of 24, and not religiously, but go through it and just do ours. You might want to choose some of ours and do some of your own. I bet you're very creative um, at thinking things. But there are things to make it count. Yes, there's lots of chocolate advent calendars out there, which are wonderful. Um, But just think of something that you could actually get excited about doing each day. And, And the boxes are wee, but write down in the box what you are going to do. Just like it's set up there, you're committing to doing something and um the children can open the door for their teacher they can um tidy up there's so many things um, the, the taking in somebody else's bin claire blesser told me she took in a bin of somebody's but they were going to get it washed and so they didn't get it washed but they had to pay so some of them backfire um, so think about what you're going to do anyway so in a minute take an advent calendar or as many as you want take a suggestion list and let's get excited about making every day count. On the Facebook page, Fiona will have it up and if you've done something that's different, go and write it down. If you've done something that's been really exciting, put it on Facebook, let's make it fun. Okay?
1: So, um, again, just in the principle of responding, um, an encouragement. (laughs) Please come out and grab one, would you? One each, one sheet, and one one uh, advent calendar. Thank you. you <laughs> That's right, yes, absolutely. What's your money? What's your salaries? we got 80. Let's get 80 a week. Mm. 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 Yeah, there's some lifts on the stage. The- Do you want to help me? Mm-hmm. Hey lads, guess who's? <laughs> Well done, John. Thanks, Fiona. There you go, John. Let's give you me, me that. I can't get them up, can you? Wonderful. Thank you. Yep. Yoo-hoo! So it's 80 times 24. It's very spiritual acts. Especially Watching Elf. Another great film, the Nativity Story. Recommend that one to you. there's a few Nativities, but this is the Nativity Story. It's a really good adaptation of of the the, the, the Luke Luke Two and The Birth of Christ and Mary Keisha Castle Hughes as Mary. Really encourage you to do that. And don't give up. Right watch it right through to the some, the titles at the end. The actress that plays Mary reads out a bit of the, what's called the, I can't even say it, Magnificat, Mary's Prayer, just at the end of the film when the subtitles are going down. Oh my goodness. If you want a spiritual moment, I encourage you to watch all the way through and get to that moment. It's beautiful, beautifully done. So David, I think on the, if we could do this song again, did you enjoy the song? Oh, what a voice! I think Lindsay maybe brought it to us a year or two ago. Just, just great song and beautifully done. Um, so, listen. We'll not get the band up. We'll finish a Christmas spirit. Um, but just, just to encourage you again, th- this is the most awesome spiritual season that we can have. David, if you're ready to play that song again, can you? Are you with me? Brilliant. Um, five principles that, five gold rings that you will, I think we've looked at this year particularly, open the book, praise the Lord, worship the King in His presence, rejoice and respond, put it into practice, you know, just five great principles that I think Will help us enjoy it. Can we stand together and enjoy this and just enjoy the words again? And then God bless you. And may I be the first Love to say, if you've not said it, Merry Christmas! Star and angels gave the shine.